Koto, and thank you very much for joining me on the podcast once again where we are recapping the all blacks win over the americans uh 114 14 um and as you can probably already tell by my voice i've, I've had a bit of a chuckle with the bro nonna who's joining me again after what we saw yesterday morning and yeah like let's let's just keep it rolling bro i'll, I'll throw it to you and get what you thought on the game and maybe some of the conversations you had with the boys while you're watching yeah, bro. Um, not much to comment on uh, the game itself, but you know, I found it interesting uh, having a yarn with the boys in the group chat. They're putting up, you know, potential teams that could beat them, and I think St. Pat's under fifty fives team could have gave them a good run. Even the All Whites, different code, could have uh, put a good score on them. Maybe I don't know. Oh fuck! Honestly. <laughs> Like I mentioned off air, bro, like it was just so uninspiring, you know, right from the get-go. And you do have to take into consideration, I know that they mentioned like right before kickoff that a lot of the premier-level players, I think they've got a couple of boys that play in Europe, they're still contracted to be with their club. So that's why they were undermanned. Yeah. I think the same thing is going to be the case for Wales next week because of the way oh. that the test has fallen in terms of, date, in terms of dates. So I think everything's sort of been muddled around because of COVID. But yeah, like more so on this game. I mean, fuck, I mean, 114 points. It's hard to. Well, I, I do have. You know, you can raise little concerns with the way that the All Blacks played at times. I mean, some of the fucking offloads and some of the shit that they were trying. You could see yeah. that it was like I mentioned last week. It was practically a glorified training run. Yeah, um, sure. and, and yeah, like I was like I didn't so much think like what teams could beat the United States, but it was more like. Fuck, like, if I gave the training a good go over the summer, like, whether or not I could rock up over in America and <laughs> crack crack their national side now, like, in fairness, they are playing the All Blacks, who are the second-best team in the world, or, well, they are the second-best team in the world rankings-wise, but in terms of playing that expansive try-scoring style, they're probably top of the pops. And, yeah, they, they'd easily put 100 points on any club side they played, you know, maybe even NPC side. So um, I'm probably being um, a little bit too ambitious with, the prospect of me playing test level footy but yeah fuck, i mean that the americans like some of the tackling was pretty woeful and it wasn't it wasn't even yeah. like out the gate wax or bump offs it was just yeah. simple one-on-one -on -one tackles yeah bro it's like the all blacks had spiders on them bro they just they didn't want anything eh? like i don't know every tackle the all blacks just seemed even if they went breaking the tackle it just seemed they're like making the advantage line with, with mm. these eh? i guess it is quite hard with their like best players out so like even the second string players like wouldn't have the confidence, you know, of their team members being the best. But it was a good uh good run by the All Blacks in the first half. But definitely in the second half, they kind of got too carried away with some of the offloads they were throwing. Eh? Yeah. Fuck. What about Mills's prediction at halftime? Did you see that? No. Nah, what was it? So they went to like the halftime. Like I think it was um, <laughs> Jeff Wilson. Who's that? Oh, Kirsty Sanaway. Sorry, yeah, Kirsty Sanaway. The the other um sort of panel host and they had Mills on at the halftime talking yeah. about what they'd seen and then like as they were going back to the game they're like oh you know what are your score predictions you know for, for the yeah. final score and Mills is like 151 <laughs> and like, <laughs> I'm just like what the fuck I, I swear the guy like mistakenly was trying to say 115 
but it just came oh, out wrong. But then he yeah. like he but he doubled down, bro. And like both of them, like Jeff and Kirsty, like looked at him being like, Are you sure that's like a 90 point second half? And he's just like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, like you gotta look at our bench and back those guys. And I was just like, I guess that's he went in on his Bro, that's just I think if anything sums up the breakdown and some of those other TV shows we have on, um, yeah, that was Mills' statement and some of the rubbish that they come up with. But on a more po- <laughs> on a more positive note, I know that I raised the point at looking at the midfield with Quintu Pai and yep. Braden Eno, and I thought they played well. They were the standouts for me yep. in what was pretty hard game to follow. Like if you're looking for a fair contest, yeah. I mean, did you did you like what you saw there? Like. Yeah, bro. I guess can't really make a judgment on defense, but on attack, like they were making all the right decisions, especially in all like knew when to pass and when to run and all that. And mm. obviously, Tupai stood out with his like charging runs and could even like distribute when he got the chance as well. Like they both went well. Yeah, I, I've always been a fan of Braden Enel, but he's been one of those guys who hasn't been out of string a, a lot of games together because of injuries. Or, well, yeah, uh, he'd always sort of been quite prominent at the super rugby level when he came on the scene it was more about where they were going to play him because i think initially he got picked as a winger because they had jack goodhue and ryan crotty in the midfield and then i think the long-term plan was always to shift him in one but then injuries hit and then david havili comes in so it's going to be really interesting next year to see what happens once jack goodhue is back fit because i think by the time he recovers from his knee injury it'll be around the time that super rugby kicks off so who gives way for who um, yeah, because bro. I mean, like before him and Havili, you know, Jack Goodhue was probably the mainstay in the All Blacks midfield alongside Anton Leonard Brown. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, like as I've repeated like numerous times on this podcast, you know, having too many good players to pick from is a good headache to have rather than having to, you know, search the planes for someone to fill a spot. Yeah. And I was I was gonna say before, bro, but it slipped my mind. Like you mentioned the fact that the All Blacks almost had spiders on them the way that the Americans were tackling them. I mean, this this goes from, you know, obviously the All Blacks level right the way down to the St. Pat's Town under 55 C's days. But is there is there an element, do you reckon, that when you're playing a good team that you almost psych yourself out in your head? And what I mean by that is that, you know, when you look at someone like a Nehem or Nascada, for example, in his prime, like you are so yeah. worried about the whack that it's not so much the whack that gets you, it's the worrying about the whack. Yeah, like it's more the yeah. mental than the actual like ability, or like I don't know. Does it does that make sense? I hope that makes sense to the listeners. Yeah. Like it's, you know, when a, a big fella's like casting the ball up at you, it's like yeah, tackling him is hard, but you make it twice as hard on yourself because yeah, you, you're nah, want, sure. you're, you're waiting for it to hurt. Yeah, I guess like on the other side of that is like the mental strength of the All Blacks is so strong. Like I don't know, it'd be hard for even a team that's like mentally up for it to t- like I don't know to go well mm-hmm. against some of that. Makes sense also. I mean, I don't blame them, bro. I wouldn't want to be, you know, tackling Angus Tavell or the like, you know. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but they may have got, like, lost in the occasion sort of thing, playing the All Blacks. Like, yeah. you see them facing up, and they look, like, real excited or and stuff like mm. that. It must be tough because a lot of those guys would be fans. I think outside of maybe, like, your South Africans, your Australians, your Argentinians, and all those, um, those European teams, they look to the teams that i've just mentioned and idolize them and so yeah. like when you get your opportunity to play against them depending on how you're wired you probably can get caught up a little bit too and like oh well that's tj <laughs> Pedernado. oh that's that's richie mwanga like 
oh fuck, i just yeah, made bro. a tackle on Bowden barrett like rather than actually like wanting to go <laughs> out there and inflict some damage i don't know they're more worried about like, oh bro you're good like man like <laughs> oh, gee like see you at the ruck like that sort of buzz, you know? <laughs> yeah hard i think Buster Marshall was saying, like, one of the Americans players, like, favourite player was Damien McKenzie. <laughs> like, during the games, that guy was probably going through what you just said. Eh? He was probably too worried about him. Um, how good was uh, the halfback's old wax on Damien McKenzie, bro? <laughs> His ankles might be a bit sore after the game, eh? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Damien was getting a bit of a payout for that. You know, that's always seems to be the way. Like, you know, when you play a shit team, and yeah. like you're the guy that misses the tackle or like drops the ball over the line or like you yeah. know, dick, dick of the day essentially. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean it, it was it was quite heartwarming to have them score some points because there's nothing worse than having a donut in the column to begin with, but then to concede triple digits like what happened to Tonga at the start of this year, like it's just like not that the score line was respectable by any means of the imagination, but Having it be like a hundred three or a hundred five compared to a hundred zero, it yeah, sort of definitely. yeah, it, it takes away from the the spanking. Yeah, a little bit, I guess. I think was I think the commentator said it was like their first ever try against All Blacks in five Test matches, which is, I guess, it was quite a special moment for them. And like, mm. even the crowd got into it, like. What were they? they were down like 40 points at that stage or something. I don't even know. But like when they did score it, all the fans seemed to be cheering like it was a try to take the lead or something. Eh? Yeah. I mean, do you remember back to like something that came to my mind when I was watching the game like after they'd scored their try and like obviously the commentators had talked about how significant was it was for them. When the All Blacks played Portugal in the 07 World Cup, do you remember yeah. how they kept taking drop kicks? Because they just wanted to get some form of score on the board. Do you remember that? I, I remember the game. I don't remember like that exactly, but that's pretty random. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no, nah, bro. It is, I don't know. I don't know why it came to mind. I guess it was just on the topic of like scoring points because as you said, a lot of those minnows, that's essentially a win for them. The fact that they scored against the All Blacks. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the All Blacks wouldn't have like wanted to leak any points, but I guess when you're up by you know, 50, 60, 70 with half an hour to go, it can be very easy to just like, like we saw a couple of times, throw offloads inside the 22 and maybe lays yeah. off a bit of the tackling because you just want to get the ball back. And I mean, the Americans, like particularly that halfback that scored the try, put the whack on, like I thought he busted his ass a lot of the time. He, he did a really good job yeah. covering, but, you know, as we see with the All Blacks week in, week out, they just have so many good guys that have great ball sense and get in around the ball and, I mean, fuck, Will Jordan adds another three to his tally. He probably should have had four, yeah. mate. Like, if Damian McKenzie hadn't have been a bit greedy and stuck out their hand. <laughs> yeah, I reckon. Um, like, what are your thoughts on this? Will Jordan uh, taking over? I know it's far away from now, but potentially beating Doug Howlett's record? It's so hard wingers to say, bro. Yeah, because wingers don't tend to have a long lifespan in test rugby, do they? Interesting you say that, bro. I've done a bit of a deep dive into it and I've got yeah. a I've got a social media post coming up. I was I'm actually looking to probably leave it until the end of the Northern Hemisphere tour so that way like I have all the games played from this year. But yeah, yeah. just a quick note, like if you're an out and out winger playing test rugby for the All Blacks, on average, you play about 19 tests for your career. 
which if you think about it, like it's still 19 games for the All Blacks, but it isn't a hell of a lot. Like what I'm gonna do, gonna yeah. go and do because I've calculated everything to do with the outside back. So that's like guys who played wing, then moved to center, or played wing initially, then moved to fullback. And I'm gonna compare that to the other positional groups since the game turned professional in '96, and just see what the the difference is, or whether yeah, there might not be that great a difference. I think that you know, like there are quite a few guys. Like if you go back through. I know some of the old wheat bicks and bluebird chip cards that you see these random warblacks <laughs> popping up. Like, you know, I don't know. Like a name that springs to the top of my mind is someone like a Clark Dermody, you know, bro. Like he was an all black. He was he played a couple of games, you know, just random dudes like that who yeah. once they become all blacks and they only play three games, they then add to that stat and maybe bring that number down. So yeah. yeah. I remember there was a period it would have been like between maybe like 06 to 10, where like heaps of wingers played, like Rudy mm-hmm. Wolf, Anthony Twidflaki, um, so you was Luke, Luke, yeah, bro. Those those sort of guys that just play yeah, like bro. one Frank or two. Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Because they're like so exciting, you like have to pick them because they got the X factor, but not necessarily. I don't know. Do they have maybe like the like defensive now sort of thing? I don't know. Like mm. that sort of one, which you know earns them more games than less. I think the telling thing is that the game is good as super rugby is particularly like our teams when they play each other there's still just another step up to when they had to play at the test level and some guys have it they almost yeah i don't know what it is i mean confidence is definitely one thing you see guys who maybe get picked a little bit too early and they get better as their career goes on but then there's some guys who just translate to it straight away and it's just like they're just not um, overwhelmed by the moment um whereas i don't know not to take anything away from a guy but, you know, just thinking Casey Lalala, bro, like how lethal was he for the Crusaders? But he yeah. never kicked on yeah. playing for the All Blacks. I, guess or... like, yeah. I think a perfect example of that was like when Ben Smith had his debut. Mm. And I just remember him like he had like a shitter of a debut and like maybe played like one test after that and then fell away for like three or four years and then came back and it was, I don't know, like maybe arguably one of the best outside backs we've ever had, you know? Yeah, bro. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's you could probably look at that across you know a number of different teams from a number of different sports you know just maybe getting your opportunity and not being quite ready for it or not being mentally quite ready for it and unfortunately because of how talented the all blacks are and because we have talent constantly coming through that like once you get your opportunity and you blow it you know a lot of that can be almost like a a stain on your career because they're like oh well now we gave the guy an opportunity but he showed that he wasn't good enough and unless yeah. you're mentally strong enough to then keep knocking on the door, um, you can become an afterthought. Like yep. guys that I just mentioned, what? like Frank Halai, who only played one test. Sassini Anisi only played one test. Lilia Masanga only played one test. Like all guys that were pretty yeah. good Super Rugby players, but never got their chance to extend their All Black careers past their debut. Do you remember, um, I think it was like two years ago, maybe last year, um, they said they were going to bring out some like All Black second 15, like, all black B team or something. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened to that idea, but like that'd probably be the perfect sort of incentive to keep, you know, those sort of players in New Zealand rather than letting them get their cap and then earn like 50k extra, like you said the other day, in like a French or J- Japanese team or something. I think it'd probably be tough in the current climate given how scarce money is. Um, but yeah, like sure. it, it is a it is a great point to raise, um, and that's where I think there maybe needs to be a bit of work done around the international 
eligibility, particularly for the Pacifica boys who get, you know, maybe one or two games and then, you know, they maybe fall off. They get a bit of the second year syndrome or the top dog who was injured that they were in covering for comes back. And then it's like they don't get another shot because they've only played, you know, a handful of tests and that rules them ineligible for their motherland. And then they have to shoot off overseas to make up that money that they got paid for that one or two years that they were in and around that, that national team environment. But yeah, I, I, I think we're probably past those days, bro. I think with, with the, the money situation around the world and the All Blacks will be sucking up as much money as they can. And then the Super Rugby teams, you know, considering how bare the Hurricanes home games are at the Caketon, bro, they need all the money they can get as well too by the looks of it. But yeah, I think that's, again, like, I didn't really have a lot to talk about off the back of yesterday's game because there's only so much you can say about a hundred point win, but good to good to go off, off some different avenues, bro. Like, like weird thinking about guys like Casey Lalala, right? Like that takes me back to my rugby eight days, bro. But we'll wrap that up there. <laughs> Again, appreciative of your time, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what the All Blacks have up their sleeves for these last five games. Yeah, bro. Looking forward to it. Cheers for having me. Now you're the man, Nanu. Peace and love. Say less.